Your experiences are what define us. Everything in your life can teach you. We call these our defining moments. Now, join Debbie Montgomery Johnson and her featured guest as they help you stop hiding things in your life and instead learn to embrace them and stand proud. It's Defining Moments, and it begins now. Here is your host, Debbie Montgomery Johnson. Hello, everybody from around the world, and welcome to Defining Moments. This is Debbie Montgomery Johnson, and I'm so excited to be here today. I feel like... Today I've got family with me again, and you know my very first show was with my mother and father, and it was telling about my story, our story, and why we came up with Defining Moments after the Woman Behind the Smile tragedy. But today, the perfect storm joins me with two very wonderful women that I'm going to introduce soon, because these girls have come into my life, and I feel like, if you've ever heard the, the term, sisters by other misters? Well, these girls are my sisters by other misters, and they're, young, they're my younger sisters because they're several years younger than I am, but we have synergy between the three of us. We've had stories that are so similar, and I know that we've been put on this earth for a purpose, and our purpose was to meet each other and to get our message out to the world because, as I said, the perfect storm between the three of us is we come from different backgrounds, different places of the country. Different stories, but so much is so similar, and we were thrown into a group, which I hate the name of it, but it's one of my 80-year-old friends. When my husband passed away years ago, she said, Deb, guess what? You're now part of the Widows Club. And I'm like, Helen, I don't want to be part of that club. But for some reason, I got thrown into it, and so did these girls, and we're going to change that. We're not going to be called the Widows Club anymore. We're going to be called the Stand-Up Club, the Survivors Club, the the Women in Power Club. We're going to be something other than widows, but unfortunately, we do have that in our background now. But the girls are here. I've got Karen Millsap from Orlando, uh, Florida, and Ashley Harmon-Burke from Idaho, and they are going to be with us today for the next hour, and we're going to talk about how... We've, I hate to say we've been the victims, but we have been, but we're not going to define ourselves as that. We've had the opportunity for growth of surviving our husbands dying. And the girl's stories, Ashley's and Karen's stories are similar to each other, a little bit different than mine, but I'm going to go right into their stories now because we don't have enough time to fully embrace what's going to go on here. But I do want to say hello, make sure they're on the line. Karen, are you there? I'm here. How are you? Happy to be here. Thanks for having me, Debbie. My pleasure. And Ashley, are you here? I am here. I'm grateful to be here as well. Oh, well, I'm so glad you guys are with us today. And we're going to start off our short segment with Karen. Karen Millsap is known as the Grief Consultant. Karen has worked in human resources and talent acquisition, and now she is the CEO, the Chief Empathy Officer of Agency, which is a firm that helps organizations create a human-centric culture with compassion and empathy. Karen is a single mom of a little boy. I want her to talk about him. And Karen, welcome to Defining Moments. Thank now, you. <laughs> now, I've got to tell our audience about how you and I met, because we have not met in person but you and right. I were asked, <laughs> you and I feel like we have, I feel like we've known each other for a long time. You and I were asked to speak about forgiveness on a radio show with Sharon Frame several months ago. 
And it was all about the book, about the story. And I, I actually saw the movie called The Shack. And that was an extraordinary, for me, just an extraordinary movie, an extraordinary book. And my father's going to say, stop using extraordinary. But that was just, uh, it brought to light so many things in my heart about forgiveness and about yes. life and death. Yes. And I love sharing it with you, Karen. So briefly, why did you do that? Why did you talk about forgiveness? And what, what story can you tell about forgiveness? Well, it, admittedly, I saw that movie twice in the movie theater because <laughs> it was so good. I was like, this also, it unearthed a lot of things that were in my heart. Um, and so I was happy that Sharon, you know, invited us to be a part of that conversation because it really encouraged me to go see the movie um, since I had not read the book, but I heard so many wonderful things about it. Um, you know, funny, I know we're going to get to Ashley in a moment, but forgiveness is definitely a part of my story, but it's a part of my story that has been a challenge uh, in the journey. And when I met Ashley, uh, she asked me to actually come speak at her conference about forgiveness. And I'm like, I'm not really that good at that. So <laughs> I don't really know if I should. Um, well, so sometimes, sometimes we teach the things that we need to learn the most. No, right, right. But you know what? It was such a, um, it was such a, a moment for me, though, especially because I consider um, Ashley also a sister in Christ. And, and so her encouraging me to start that journey really is what prepared me to even be on the call a couple of years later with you and Sharon, right? So um, the conversation with Sharon and, and talking about forgiveness pertains to my story because my husband was murdered. Um, his killer is still at large. It's been four years and, you know, the case is still open. And so it's kind of hard to forgive somebody who you don't know, but it's also hard to forgive somebody when you have so many questions about why, like you created this pain in my life. You intentionally, you made a choice, you know, and I still don't understand why. So how can I forgive you? Um, so it's, it's, it's this weird back and forth journey that I still have and conversation, you know, that I still have with our, our Heavenly Father is just, you know, help me to learn how to forgive. But I, what I will say is that I, you see a lot of posts out there that forgiveness is not for the, for the other person, it's for you. And I absolutely found that to be true. Because as I had my list of things that I was asking God to show me how to forgive and, and to soften my heart, what happened was it started to change without me really putting forth too much intentional effort. It was a spiritual experience, and I was happy to share that, you know, with Sharon's uh, group and, and definitely sharing that platform with you. Well, and, and also, Karen, to go back to your story a little bit um, and your husband's death, it happened suddenly. Can you just briefly tell, you know, walk us through what happened and how you found out? Sure. Well, I was a recruiter at the time. I worked for a national home building company, and so I had some odd hours where I would sometimes work. Um, you know, in the evening, if I was interviewing executives, for example, and, and this day I happened to be. So my husband owned a CrossFit gym and he ran all of the classes. So morning and afternoon, evening classes. I went to uh, pick up the kids. I had a stepdaughter and also have my, my two-year-old, um, he was two-year-old son. And so when I went back to the house, I got on my first interview call and I'm in the middle of the call and I hear my cell phone going off. I was using the landline. I know, I know not many of us have landlines anymore, but we did. And so my cell phone was buzzing, but I ignored it probably for um, at least five minutes, if not maybe closer to 10. And finally, when I had the opportunity to turn over the phone to see what was going on, you know, I didn't want to be distracted in this executive interview. 
I saw that I had several missed calls from a woman who participated at our gym. And the first thing I thought was, oh, Richard must have hurt himself. You know, CrossFit, they had these big rigs. Maybe he fell off. He, she called so many times. Maybe he broke an arm or hit his head. Um, so as I'm thinking this, and you know, women, we can think a million thoughts in one second, one nanosecond. So as I'm thinking through all this, the phone rings again, I answer and I hear her screaming. And the only word that I could really make out was shot. And so immediately my body started convulsing. Um, you know, I described this at length in, um, uh, in a TED talk that I did, but my body started to convulse and, and I just, I didn't know what it was. I didn't know that he died. You know, I actually wasn't sure at that point because that's not what she said, but that was the longest drive it felt like, you know, in getting to, to the gym. Um, I got there and I, you know, everything else was pretty foggy. I don't remember who told me or how they told me, um, but I actually didn't find out until I got to the gym um, that he passed away. And, and, you know, I even remember thinking, I was sitting at the stoplight right before our gym. I remember thinking to myself, wait a minute, why am I not on my way to the hospital? But even still then, it didn't register to me um, that he died. And, you know, it's interesting, as you were talking about that, I think back about when I got the call, as I call it. Uh, I got a call. Actually, I was in a meeting, too, with my phone off, and my phone was blown up with messages. And the first one was from my son, who said, Mom, Dad just died. And you're like, mm. what, what, what just happened? And then I heard my parents say the same thing on their phone call. And then the hospital is like, oh, my gosh. And that's when I call it suspended animation. You just kind of life is just yeah. going on around you. And yeah. you you still had your little boy. But when you got there, now they didn't find who shot Richard. We still don't know. Still don't know. No. So right. but his family, you had a relationship with his family. And how is that, can you talk a little bit about that, how you guys have worked together or apart, or maybe forgiveness needs to be ingrained into that part of the story? Yeah, you know, um, grief just, man, you know, I'll say this, the only thing that I can imagine worse than losing a spouse is losing a child, right? Mm -hmm. And, Mm -hmm. um, And even then, there is no real equal when it comes to grief and loss. I mean, we all experience it very differently, but unfortunately, it it did create a wedge in um, my relationship with my in-laws. And so, you know, what I really kind of just determined was, and and some of the initial stuff that came out and that was unearthed and and things that were said to each other and that weren't kind or or just really were said out of emotion, um, I recognized, and, and I didn't at first, but I recognized that it all just came from a place of pain, right? Now, I'm not perfect, and I know that nobody is perfect, But what really hurt, I will say, is, you know, I was hoping that, or not I was hoping, I think I was expecting that grief would bring people together, and I found that grief can create that division. Um, I I actually found that through other people's stories, right? And who knows what it it comes from? It can be from uh, perception of how other people are grieving. It could be from um, just their own pain and 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 what they're going through. And and again, I can't imagine. Uh, I couldn't imagine losing my husband, but I certainly couldn't imagine losing my son or or one of my siblings. Uh, but the point is, is it did create a strain, not even just with my my in laws, but I lost a lot of friends as well, who didn't know how to be there for me while I was grieving. I was in such shock, Debbie, that I really couldn't do much. And, and I think whether I did something or maybe if I didn't do enough, 
that it really just, it wouldn't have been enough for anybody, right? But that's where we are when we're grieving. When we're grieving, we can only think about like, what do I need to do in the next five seconds? <laughs> and so, and I don't know if what I'm doing is right or if it's not right. And so I, I do encourage people who've experienced a, a tough loss and, and they're going through changes in relationships that just do the best that you can do from a place with a clean heart, right? And not to inflict pain on other people intentionally because you never know what they're going through, um, but just do the best you can do. And when the opportunity comes back around for you to revisit or mend relationships, that could happen. But right now, focus on your self-care and your healing because really nobody else is going to do that for you. Well, and that's true. And it brings back, you know, you said you saw the movie The Shack twice. Well, so did I. And I actually bought the video (laughs) because I liked it so much. But in there, you know, you you recognize that the the father was thinking of things that his father had done and was so angry at his father. But we don't always understand what people have been through in their lives and what makes, like you said, what makes them react to certain things. Right. And it's tough because you're in the middle of it and here you've got to take care of your two-year-old, but you've got to take care of yourself. It's like being on an airplane. If you don't put the oxygen on yourself, then you certainly can't take care of anybody around you. And mm-hmm. and I've read some of the things that you like. You, I love your, your website and the, and the things that you have on there. And, and you have a section that calls, what can others do to help? And I remember one time, too, you said you had, were talking about something about what not to say to a widow. Right. Give us a, give us a exactly. couple of lines. What do you not say to a widow, especially a young widow? I mean, there's so much, right? There is. I actually did this video, and it it got so much traction on YouTube, and I lost it like a month ago. Oh, it was deleted with an old email account, but it was great. And and this isn't just from my experience; it's from other people who share through Facebook and commenting. Um, but some of the things that you don't say is, um, you know, you're only going to experience this for a year. Some people will say six months, some people will say a year, but what they're trying to tell you is that this fog is going to lift, but the truth is that there is no stopwatch. (laughs) So so don't tell me when this is going to lift because that's not true. You also don't want to say just generally that time heals because time does nothing without healthy action. A lot of times for young widows, they'll say, don't worry, you're so young, you're going to get married again. I don't want to hear that when I've just lost my spouse. Like I, I can't even fathom somebody else who's supposed to be in my life. This was my till death do us part, even though death came early. Like this was our forever. We're supposed to get old and wrinkly together. Um, and you know what, even though the, uh, uh, a lot of people tend to do this, um, naturally they'll throw themselves in and stay busy. Don't tell them to stay busy because really what happens is whether we choose to do it ourselves or somebody gives us that, you know, bad advice, um, staying busy only delays our healing. So you don't want to distract yourself. You really want to move through the grief waves and, and through all those, um, you know, yucky emotions because that's the only way you're going to be able to get on the other side of the storm is if you go through it. So um, so I would also say, you know, don't encourage them to stay busy or, or keep their mind off of it. And that's not going to help them in their journey in the long run. Well, and busyness, like you said, just prolongs the agony because I know after Lou died, I was busy. I was busy 20 hours a day. And the only Mm. reason it wasn't 24 is because I needed a couple hours of sleep. But I also knew that going to bed at night would be the first time I would be alone. And it was very sad and lonely. Did you experience that? Absolutely. I sure did. I experienced the same thing. It was you know, the nighttime was certainly the hardest because that was our downtime together. We were both so busy during the day separately, and then that was a time that we really cherished. So same thing, same thing. Yeah, and you you can't get that time back, and it's tough because nothing changes on the bed. I mean, I had a king-size bed, and I used about a 
about an eighth, <laughs> probably. I still do. <laughs> yeah, you know, the, the, the blankets and stuff don't move. Yeah, it's it's very strange feeling. Exactly. So. Half of the bed is still made. <laughs> and how about your little boy? How How is he dealing with it? You know, he, it was interesting. He, he was two years old when Richard died. And my biggest concern was, is he going to remember his dad? You know, first it was, how do I tell him? How do you tell a two-year-old? Um, but then when I recognized that, okay, you know, their, their memory isn't, they don't have a lot of uh, long-term memory. It's kind of short-term. And, um, but he was with his dad every single day. And so I really was initially concerned about that transition period. But then I started to think, well, is he even going to remember him? And what is that void going to feel like? Um, and that's kind of the chapter we're in right now, to be honest. When he turned five is when I noticed the real yearning for his dad and him recognizing the absence of his dad. Um, even more recently, you know, we're, we're going through, um, when he was five, I noticed that he would be sad, but he wasn't really able to articulate, uh, you know, what was going on with his dad now he will say, I'm really sad I miss daddy because I, you know, I wish that he could just lay with me and watch a movie. I wish that he would play basketball with me. My husband was phenomenal at basketball and Caleb never played basketball with him. He's only two, but now Caleb is like a natural born athlete. It's crazy. So he, he recognizes that they both have that talent and he wishes that he could spend his time, that kind of time with him. So really what I'm learning is that his and I knew this before, but now I'm experiencing it, I should say, is his grief continues to evolve as he develops as a human, <laughs> right? Okay. And well, so that, happens, he, that happens to all of us, too, and I, I don't want to cut you off, but we're going to have to go to break shortly. Yeah. Um, but it, it, it's an amazing thing to be a mom and to watch a child grow. I mean, my kids were in their you know, 20, 15 to 23. And, and still, they do still miss their dad. And they will always yeah. miss a certain part of it. And they'll idialize him at certain times. And I'll just say, you know what, dad's with you. Dad's sitting with you when you're flying your airplane, when, when you're flying your yeah. hair cup. So he hears you. He's with you always. And so let's take a short break. I thank you so much for your story, Karen. We're going to come back with Ashley's story. And folks, get a drink, sit down, relax, and come right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. If you've always wanted to take the lead in your life, but you don't believe you are a leader, then it's time to change that mindset. Leadership expert Linda Patton will help you discover the powerful leader that lives within and teach you the leadership skills that will transform your business and your life. Stepping into your leadership brings reality to your vision, and leadership can be learned. Find out more on Leadership Stars every Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Women's Channel. Dialogue is the single most powerful leadership tool we have to make a difference in the world. Leading conversations with host Cheryl Esposito creates a place for that dialogue. Tune into the Voice America Business Channel every Friday as Cheryl hosts new conversations among leaders from around the world in business, government, art, economics, and social change. We'll explore big ideas and everyday actions and learn how their own leadership has led them to discover a newfound sense of possibility in the world. Leading conversations with Cheryl Esposito, bringing big thinkers together in conversations that make a difference right here on the Voice America Business Channel every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. 
Today, we are part of an ever-changing mix of technological advances and business trends that redefine how we work, ongoing performance, and our world around us. Tune into Humanity Evolve with host Catherine Calarco. It's an open discussion about these trends and advances that come together to create a positive future for you, your family, and your world. Humanity Evolve can be heard live every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Women's Channel. This is the Voice America Women's Channel, where your success is limitless. listening to Defining Moments with Debbie Montgomery Johnson. To reach the show today, please call in to 1-866-613-1612. That's 1-866-613-1612. Or send an email to Debbie at thewomanbehindthesmile.com. That's D-E-B-B-Y at thewomanbehindthesmile.com. Now, back to Defining Moments. Welcome back, everybody, and I wanted to thank my, my guest, or Karen Millsap. Uh, Karen has so much to offer, and if you want to, after the show, keep in touch with her, go to karenmillsap.com. But Karen said a couple of things that I've heard in the past, and she said, pain is inevitable, inevitable, suffering is optional. That is so true. And what can we do to help others, or what can others do to help someone that's been through tragedy? And then put compassion into action, and she can... She, she can definitely keep that going on with her little with her son. How do you keep compassion into action? And how do we use tragedy? How do we use our tragedy to change the world? You take your pain, you make it your purpose, you pay it forward, and then you make it your passion. Now, my next guest is Ashley Harmon Burke, and Ashley's coming to us from Idaho. And on Ashley's website, on her blog site, called In a Moment, uh, The Moments We Stand, I'm looking at a beautiful picture of Ashley, and underneath it it says, I am Ashley, I am a mother, I am a daughter, I am a sister, I am a survivor of murder, I am a survivor of infidelity. Life has tried to pull me down, but I choose to stand. Now, that's where we become sisters by other misters, because after I did my Woman Behind the Smile and my stand-up series, Stand Up in Your Power, I saw Ashley say, I choose to stand. We are women standing, standing in power, standing in courage. And Ashley, welcome to Defining Moments. I'm so glad you're here with us. Thank you so much. Now, we really haven't had a chance to talk, but you've got an incredible story. I want you to tell everybody what happened to you, when, and how did you find out? Um, Okay, so on March 11, 2011, it was pretty much a normal day as far as life goes. I had five children at the time. My oldest were twins that were in kindergarten, and my youngest was a newborn baby. He was almost two months. Um, that night, I got a knock at my door at, I think it was like one in the morning. So I guess technically, I didn't find out everything until the next morning. But um, on March 11th, he, my husband was apparently having an affair with our paralegal that worked at our law office. And her husband found them at a Walgreens um, not far from our house. And he ended up shooting him once in the heart and once in the head. So my story is a little different than Karen's. Um, I know, I know the people that were involved, all three of the crossroads that came and collided. I never met the man or really even knew what he looked like, but I'd heard his name. Um, 
And so my journey began at kind of a crossroads of my own, one where I felt like I was going through a divorce and a death in the same moment on my couch with three detectives who I'd never met before and finding out a whole bunch of truth and truths that really hurt and humiliated, but also truths that put me in a new, a new reality of existence. So that's kind of my journey, my story, the moment of um, that fog that you were talking about. But you had no clue your husband was having an affair. I mean, most of us don't you know, when it happens. I had no clue. I looked for evidence. Like, I kind of became a crazy person towards the end. Like, something is wrong. And I, I had no idea what it was. I had a dream that my baby died. And I just felt this, like, urge that something was wrong. And I kept searching and searching for evidence. But I had no tangible evidence that he was having an affair. And so you found out from the detectives because they were telling you what had happened and who did it. Right. Right. So not only finding out his death, but why he died and what he'd been doing up to that point. So here's a question. After, I mean, when I told folks uh, one time that I had gotten angry at Lou dying, I mean, he wasn't shot by anybody. He had a heart attack and it was because it was, he, he hadn't taken really good care of himself. And it was just a matter of time when his weight and his heart just stopped. But I got angry at that. I mean, did you have any time to be angry? How was your life immediately right after that? To be honest, like I had this wave of relief that I wasn't crazy, that something was wrong. And then I had this wave of guilt of why are you relieved? He's dead. And now you have no marriage. And then after that, I pretty much lived off of anger for most of the time because anger was easier than the pain. So I had plenty of time to be angry. That pretty much how, how I survived was the anger. And you couldn't keep it quiet either because, I mean, your story was thrown into the limelight in the news, as was Karen's. Um, yours went national. And I actually saw something on Dr. Phil that was kind of a, uh, you know, in your face moment when you had to be on the show with the other woman. Yeah, I didn't know that part. But yes, I was a hospital. Oh, you didn't? No. No, I didn't know she was going to be there. I thought I was going to be there to talk about my books and my conference. So, side note. Well, Um, okay. But yes, (laughs) lots, lots lots of those moments that I wasn't expecting things to be. And that's just how it was. Well, here's that. That certainly gave me a stupor of thought on how, I mean, I was looking at that show going, she knew she was coming on. Uh, it, it must have been uncomfortable. I mean, you knew that late. You knew the woman before. A little bit. I'd met her a few times. Okay. And here, and I, to get into that story a little bit, she was angry that you were holding, you were holding her to blame. Right? Yeah, that's what she said on the show. Yeah. Now, in reality, everybody was to blame. I mean, and, and that's not going to make anything better but how have you guys been able to move on is she, is she still living up in that area do you ever run into her she does I I don't talk to her when I if I've seen her in town I just make sure to go the other way um so I wouldn't say we've had any resolve from the show but you know what I did learn from that show which was the most empowering thing I could have gotten from the show was I don't need another person for my journey to forgive because I kind of like secretly hoped that one of the three people involved would come up to me, give me a hug and say, man, that must have hurt like hell. I am so sorry for all you've been through. And I almost waited for that even after the murder trial. And then to be on a show with her in an opportunity where she could have done that, but she didn't, 
it helped me connect back to God and to my, my own power to be able to find forgiveness isn't going to take another person. So it was, it was probably the best thing I could have done. I just didn't know it for about a month. I was in shock and then I, I figured it out. Well, and bless your heart for being the one to take the upper hand because forgiveness does begin with us. And it, it really doesn't matter what the other person thinks because I, as you and Karen and I have all found, I think in our, in our adventures with forgiveness, is that it helps us to move forward. It's the only way we can move forward. And yeah. I, I'm, I'm working with women now who just can't get to that point. And it's very frustrating for me because I'm trying to encourage them to do so, but it comes from within. And bless Absolutely. your heart for, for that. And, and you must have needed that for the kids. I mean, the kids, your kids are getting older now, too. And as Karen right. was saying, you know, she was, always, she was sad because she was watching her son and she wants her son to remember their dad. Your kids were a little bit older, except for the, I mean, obviously not the youngest. So how did they work with you in this period of time? How did you work with them? And did the community help out with them? With my children, did the community help out? With the kids, yeah, and your family, extended oh, family, yeah. all that. Our community surely rallied around. I mean, I always had someone bringing food or doing things like that. Um, one one hard thing that happened in the community is their knowledge. That didn't really give me the opportunity to protect my children. I mean, they'd come home from school. Is this true? Was he with another person's wife? Is this true? Like they, I I didn't tell them that it was just some random accident. I told them there was an angry person with a gun. Um, but it was the, the community has given me an opportunity to get them the full truth at an earlier age than I had planned, but it also gave me an opportunity to not hide from our story, which I think has been the most healing for them. Because when you can embrace your story, no matter how old you are, you can embrace your story and say, Hey, I am, my name is Ashley. I am the survivor. Um, it's a lot easier to not be a victim of everybody else's choices if you, I don't know if you can just stand in in your own story and be proud of the the person that you are. Well, that's true. I mean, and and I labeled, I titled my book, The Woman Behind the Smile, Triumph Over the Ultimate Online Betrayal. Because we don't want to be victims. We want to triumph over it. And, you know, your kids and mine have all grown up knowing, true, too, that people make choices. And your dad is always going to be your dad, but some of the choices that he made were not so good and they had consequences. Unfortunately for your husband, the consequences were, were his death. Um, but that's something I think might be able to, we could teach the kids too, is that co- choices have consequences. Absolutely. And that's part of the it plan. Up, it comes up often when, when we get triggered to the, back to those fears or we come to a crossroad ourselves and like, okay, every decision, literally every decision we make in our life can have a positive or a negative impact on not only ourselves but the world well and i'm thinking of the show and dr phil and some of those things where the world wants to to relish the the agony and the shame and the guilt and they don't always look for the positive and and rising up you know i have a friend who has a book Mm -hmm. called the phoenix and rising up from the ashes we don't want to be stuck in that in that mire of, of darkness and hurt and shame and, and feeling like a victim and feeling betrayed because it happened and you can't change right. the past. Um, yeah. And I feel like with the Dr. Phil show, the world was going, Hey, here's your chance. You've wanted to yell and scream. See if that yeah. helps you feel better. And in that moment, I, I learned another lesson that that's not what's going to help me feel better. Like using grace and using what I believe 
faith in something greater than myself in that moment is what helped me heal, not my natural earthly reaction to yell and scream. Because the audience would have been there going, yeah, go girl. <laughs> Just let her yeah, have it. Totally. Right? And, and they would my natural reaction in all things in my life is just to fight. Just let it go. <laughs> so it was it was definitely divine intervention that helped me find a better way that day. There you go. And from that you have written two books. Right? Is the second yep. one out yet? Uh yep, I'm working on the third one right now. Okay. And I, I love what you, you wrote about your blog here, that each story, uh, it's called The Moments We Stand, each post became an escape from a hidden pain. And I talk about hidden stories all the time and how, um, how what's the word? I'm having a brain cramp here. But it, just how uh, you can move forward from hearing other people's stories. And you said here too, each story remembered a blessing of grace to a broken heart. So we can have broken hearts, but we can move forward. So how are you best moving forward today? You know, I think for me, stepping out of victimhood, sitting through that murder trial and thinking that if somebody sees me, I'm going to feel better. If somebody acknowledges my pain, I'm going to feel better. Um, And then I was given a bunch of opportunities to do that for somebody else. And that was kind of the moment I walked into the, the courtroom and they were announcing the verdict. And I saw these two moms that one had lost a son and one is losing a son to jail for a long, long time. And it, that empathy piece for me um, helped me realize that I didn't want to be stuck in victimhood. Victimhood was not going to bring me any joy. And that's when I decided I wanted to survive what had happened. So I would say moving forward, I'm just trying to help others not only embrace their story and use grace to remember the light that was in their story, but to, um, survive and triumph and be warriors. So um, just helping people get out of victimhood and always having someone else to blame for why they're not becoming who they were sent to earth to become. And that's really easy to do. It's, it's, we don't see the potential sometimes and keep thinking, well, I could have, should have, would have. Well, you can't. And I, I remember when Lou died, the first thing I was, w- remembered was, gosh, there's so many things that we planned that we're not going to do. And I had to realize that, okay, so make new plans. Do something different. And, you know, for uh, I was taken up with with kids and with life and with running a business, and and I'm sure you guys have the same thing where, especially for me, the first six months, it was running on empty, trying to do everything for everybody else, trying to make sure that I kept my business going and not taking care of myself. So did you find it at any time, Ashley, that you weren't taking care of you, that your health maybe started to go down a little bit or your mind? How did you feel? I don't feel like I was taking care of me at all. I think I was trying to avoid me because the minute I started to look at myself, I saw so much hurt and pain and brokenness. And I thought, I'm never going to be enough for anybody if I acknowledge this person inside, you know. So I, I spent a lot of time running and hiding under makeup and high heels and trying to act like everything was okay because I was scared to even even acknowledge the person I thought I was inside. Well, you were that woman behind the smile. You were like yeah. all of us, or we want to look perfect to the world. Uh, unfortunately, your story was out there to the world too, so they could see it. So to hide, that's a really exhausting thing to do. To hide it behind is. that and mask, and it feels like you're in a fishbowl surrounded by a million people, but you're all alone. And did you feel that people were always talking about you? 
always, even if they weren't, I just assumed anybody laughing or giggling, they were thinking, oh, no wonder. Look at her. Of course he cheated on her. Of course this happened to her. And, and that's part of the victim mentality that I finally realized wasn't bringing me any peace. What's that monkey chatter? It's all that stuff inside of us that, that, you know, goes back to childhood, too. I think if someone were to really look inside of us, something happened when we were little that we weren't good enough, we weren't fast enough, we weren't the best athlete, or, you know, I was always competing with one of my best friends. And uh, and it stuck with us. And in our 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, we're still having those thoughts that we're not good enough, you know, or yeah, we, I call it, I call or it the dude it. in your head. <laughs> there you go. Just brush him off the shoulder. Get rid of him, you know. Exactly. And, and especially when we have children and, and we're looking at the kids and trying to do the, say the best things for the kids. You know, my daughter is 26 and she was calling, called me the other day and she goes, Mom, I realize that I, I am so prone to, to getting angry. And she goes, I hated it when Daddy did that when I was little. So I'm trying to bite my tongue. <laughs> I said, well, maybe <laughs> you need to find more creative ways to, uh, you know, work with your three-year-old. Because, um, you know, getting angry is part of life. But channeling it into in a productive manner is even better um but there are times there are times that we have you guys that we've been through this quote-unquote tragedy it is a tragedy it changed our lives it was that defining moment that changed our lives forever and it's something that you know the world wants to either sensationalize or brush aside and it's it's something that we all have to live with and when we're going to come, we have, a, have to go to break in a moment. When we come back, we're going to talk about how we can positively change the world with what's happened with to us, how we can get our power back. And one thing I want you to think about is what one dish would you never take to a funeral? Sounds silly, but I think you can all laugh when we think about the things that people brought to us and what we would never take after a funeral. So we're going to be back in about 30 seconds. Keep the connection alive. Go to thewomanbehindthesmile.com. Go to karenmilsap.com. Go to themomentsweestand.com. And we'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Religion and faith are many different things to many different people. Once you have the basic foundations of religious faith, the rest is up to you. Listen for Everyday Spirituality with host and life coach Kimberly Tobin. We can look past the restraints of religion where it is thought that one belief is the gold standard and everything else is wrong. Spirituality can be found in everything. And we can peacefully exist with different paths to belief. Tune in every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific, on Voice America Women. Are you ready to move to your next level? Listen for Empowering Women, Transforming Lives with host Rebecca Hall Greider. Each show will focus on a central topic with discussion, guests, and your questions being featured. Our show is perfect for women who feel a call in their heart to step out in a bigger, more powerful way in their life and just need some encouragement, inspiration, and practical steps to support them on their journey. Empowering Women, Transforming Lives can be heard live every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Women's Channel. And join us for a replay of the show on Wednesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Voice America Women, your passion starts here. 
are listening to Defining Moments with Debbie Montgomery Johnson. To reach the show today, please call in to 1-866-613-1612. That's 1-866-613-1612. Or send an email to Debbie at thewomanbehindthesmile.com. That's D-E-B-B-Y at thewomanbehindthesmile.com. Now, back to Defining Moments. Welcome back, everybody. And we just had a delightful conversation with Ashley Harmon Burke. And in the during the break, Karen and Ashley were just talking about forgiveness again. And Karen's like, "You got to tell, you got to have Ashley give her side of forgiveness because she was the one that gave Karen a kick in the rear end to say, let's start on the process.'" So, Ashley, welcome back. And what did you do? What could you have said to Karen that have that helped her uh, get on the path to forgive? Oh, goodness. I don't even remember, but <laughs> sometimes um, we say good things and we don't remember, right? <laughs> yeah, I do, know, I do know that I struggled with forgiveness for so long. Like, I had this dead husband, these two people who I just wanted them to say they're sorry, just like everybody else in my life had, so we could just move on. Um, but I've just learned through this journey that forgiveness really is a unique path between you and God, that um, there's a quote by Lewis Meets to forgive is to set a prisoner free and realize that the prisoner was you. And so that quote for me just like has pierced my heart a couple of times when that, when that pain and that anger come up and that fear of the unknown. Um, I just go back to that. Like I, I can't keep waiting for other people. I am strong. I believe in a savior. I believe whatever your higher power is that can carry me through any pain um, and I actually have a prisoner in my story. So that quote really has related to me, but letting, letting go of that pain and that hate is what sets us free. And once I felt like I did that and it's been, it hasn't been like a moment of, Oh yes, I forgive, but just right. Exactly. Thank you for pointing that out. <laughs> yes. Going through some days I wake up and there it is again. And I'm like, okay, here we go. What are we going to do to get rid of it today? Because I am not, going to be that girl who's angry and scared all the time who stares out her window at night instead of sleeps because she thinks that's going to save her family. No, I can't do that. I want to be me. And to be me, I don't hang on to other people's issues or stuff. So just giving, giving yourself boundaries, but also giving yourself time. Well, and, and I'm thinking too, as you're talking that you have, you had multiple people to forgive. You had Emmett because of what he did and because he died. And then you have the other couple. And the husband is in prison, so he's already out of the picture for a while. He's going through his own time. Um, The ex-wife, or I don't know if they're divorced. I would imagine they're not together. but um, They are. But you've got your children, and your kids are watching you. And, you know, you have to – you don't want to dismiss their dad because he will always be their dad. So they'll pick up on being angry. They'll pick up on those emotions. And you don't want them to have those nasty emotions against their father. Well, and for children, if they look at their father who created them, who helped create them as a demon or a monster or somebody who's not worth love, then they might view themselves like that someday. So I really tried to, my mom was divorced when I was a kid. And I remember her always being like, get back in there and love your dad. He, He made you, he did something right. So I've tried to use that approach. When they come to me with anger, there's been times where I'm like, oh, heck yeah, let's go. And I want to, but there's no good in making them um, 
hate him. So I've been like, oh man, I can see how that'd be frustrating. But remember that he loves you, that he created you, that he did all this good stuff too. That's true. To get that balance. So they don't ever doubt themselves. There you go. And you want them to be able to express their emotions because I've got a 23-year-old who we're trying to work on the I feels rather than I think because I think so will get you in trouble sometimes. But it's very hard when you've really suppressed those emotions to let them out in a positive way. And and you want your kids to be able to do that, you know? You want them to absolutely have those good moments, but also realize that dad made some bad choices and it hurt. And that's part of life mm-hmm. too. And so the, you've forgiven who? Yourself? Did you forgive yourself? Because you you were beating yourself up. I could hear it. You know, the whole, I'm not enough. You, how'd you get over that part? You know what? I, I just started listening to the truth in my brain. You know how we have the dude in our brain that tells us all the things that we're not and all the things we deserve that we didn't get? And I just started like pushing those aside and really trying to connect to the truth that I feel I was sent on earth to live and just start believing those and listening to those and magnifying those and trying to find a purpose each day. And sometimes my purpose was making my bed and making dinner. And then the next day, my purpose was, oh, I helped somebody else. Wow. Well, that felt good. So just finding a purpose and a mission and a reason to live, regardless of all the evidence of all the things that I thought were true but weren't. You know? There you go. And and we're going to spin this a little bit because time's going to go by too quickly. And I want the world to know that there is a happy ending in your story. What ha- what happened uh, in your life and how did it happen to make you a happy woman? You know, oh, oh, so I've been remarried and I have a new daughter that came along with my marriage. And we are working our butts off to blend a family and find love again and work through grief and love at the same time, which is possible. It's not easy, but it's possible. Um, so that would be some of the good that's going on in my life. How, how did you meet your hubby? Um, don't tell him I told you this, but we met online. Mine was a joke. <laughs> my sister and my cousin got on there looking for eligible bachelors, and his was that he just got back from Hawaii, and he's tan, and maybe this is the last chance he's got. And so we met online. I sent him a message. I had to pay to send him the message because I wasn't really on the website. Okay, we're going to have to have a side side talk on this one. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and he he actually had a little girl. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, he does. Okay, so here he is. Bless his heart. He has this beautiful woman with five babies and blended family. And what do you do every day to make your life with him happy? You know what? I, I love that he makes me laugh. And I love that he has stood by my side through some crazy stuff. Um, But what we do every day is we at least put our kids to bed as early as we can. So we get some time at the end of the day to try to be a newlywed, even though um, our life looks like we've been together for 10 years. There you go. And that's the key. And, And I have Karen, on the other hand, I don't know, Karen, if you're dating anybody, if you're looking, but... There's a guy out there for you someday. You don't want to hear that now, but there really is. I mean, I, I wouldn't have believed it at 52 when my husband died. And I hadn't dated for 30 years, you guys. So to, to jump back in the saddle now, of course, <laughs> my online dating story didn't turn out as happily as Ashley's did. But you got, you got to find lemonade out of lemons. And, and after, you know, my whole 
mishap and tragedy, um, I found a marvelous man through friends. And it, was, it wasn't an online dating, but it was through kind of a matchmaker type thing. So it was someone knew him. And I try every day to be as kind and as thoughtful. Now, we don't have kids at home. Our kids are grown. Um, but to be that newlywed again is, is charming. And it's, it's a choice. Again, everything we do is a choice. And Karen, I know you're really busy in traveling and doing, you know, promoting your, your grief conferences and whatever. Can you just, we have a couple minutes left. Can you tell us what you're doing now so that you can stay happy and that you're getting out there and, and what's your mission right now in, in yeah. life? Yeah. So I actually just, uh, the first thing that really stood out to me is how can I, you know, God told me, so you're going to take your pain, turn it into purpose and pay it forward. And I'm like, well, how am I supposed to do that? (laughs) And so I realized that the biggest thing that impacted me was my transition back to work. And it was very difficult to do so. So I started to create these solutions and and training and and culture programs for organizations that they can just bring compassion and empathy into the workplace. And so my company agency, as you mentioned, that is the the, uh, avenue in which I deliver compassion and healing and empathy to the workplace. But then I also have my, my personal ministry, if you will, which is the grief consultant. And again, what I found as I was trying to navigate my way through these muddy waters was I'm so solutions-based and I couldn't find clear solutions that would help me on this journey. Um, There were a lot of great stories and people sharing what they had been through and that helped me to feel less alone, right, or less crazy even. Um, But I wanted to know, okay, but what can I do to really take care of myself? Um, Specifically because grief produces those physical and psychological side effects. And so the grief consultant is really just focused on, it doesn't matter if it's a death or if it's a divorce, any kind of change or loss that brings forth emotional distress and grief, we have to learn how um, to navigate that by focusing on our total well-being. And that's the, the mission with the grief consultant is to teach people how to do that. Well, and you've got some great resources on your website. Again, it's KarenMillsap.com, and uh, I, the grief resources are fantastic in your speaking opportunities. I love your TED Talk. It was very compelling, and I really I encourage people to go there. And uh, Karen is available for speaking, as is Ashley, and uh, as am I. And that's the great thing about being able to take what we do and realizing that, you know what, we are put here on the earth for a reason and part of our reason had to have a tragedy or have have some sort of um, disappointment in it and how we rise above it and go out and share it with the world uh, to help another woman, to help another man, to be there for the one person sitting beside you who may be going through the same thing you are uh, or something very similar and again feeling alone. And we're not here to feel alone. We're really not. So, Ashley, what are you doing right now in in furthering your message? How are you doing that? And I think you just came off of something big in Salt Lake. I did. So, I I run a conference called A Reason to Stand. And that's what Karen has spoke at before. But I just try to bring together um, other survivors of traumatic experiences. And by traumatic experiences, my definition is anytime you've had that moment where your life stops and you think, my life is never going to be the same. So people who um, I bring in different presenters and they all come and speak and we just kind of try to unify people that can have a me too moment with somebody. Um, And then I'm, I do those. So I just did one in Provo. Um, I'm working on the next locations for January and February. And then I write on my blog, the moments we stand.com. I'm working on um, my third book. So those are kind of the projects I'm working on right now. And she does that all uh, while raising six kids. 
Yeah, and raising six kids. I'm about <laughs> right? to go do two class parties here in the afternoon, and then I teach art all day tomorrow. So <laughs> I like there to help out in their classrooms. You can't keep a busy woman down. Let's put it that way. Oh, my gosh. You guys right. are amazing. And uh, I am so grateful for your stories. And for I'm really grateful that we've been put in each other's lives because it happened for a reason. And it's happening for a season. And if you need a place to do your next thing, you got to come east. Because I know Karen and I are Dude, going, I, love I know. I'm already talking to her about hey, it, Debbie. We need to bring yeah. her to You do find the place, and I am there. Oh, my gosh. We can have between Orlando and here in Fort Lauderdale area, West Palm Beach, we can find a place not to worry. Make that happen. <laughs> you got it. Oh, my I gosh. I need an excuse can... to get away from the snow that's headed my way. <laughs> well, I think it's about 80 here today, and, and the sun's coming out, and it is going to be perfect. Right let's, talk, let's talk about that. Yeah, we'll talk in February <laughs> when you're inundated in the snow. But I want everybody to know, too, that, that you know grief happens, and tragedy happens, and life happens. And good people go through terrible situations. It's wise people know when and how to let those situations go. So everything that happens to us helps us, helps us to grow. And while it may be hard to see where you are right away, the most important thing for you to do is to change the way you think about it and change your circumstances. If you're in the pit, climb out. You know, if you need to help somebody, then put a hand out and help them up, hug them up, pull them out of that hole so that the two of you can get out together. I'm so grateful that Ashley and Karen connected and that I was able to, to connect with them through their connection. And that's why we're here. We're here because God wants us to help somebody. And he will put people in our place if we will just open up our eyes and look at these situations and say, hey, I'd really like to be your friend. Or, hey, I'd really like to talk to you. Or, you know, I'm, I have this going on. Can you help me? Can you help me move out of this? Can you help me to forgive someone that I can't forgive? Can you help me to just be a better person today? And these two women are in that process, and they are doing that for other people, many other people. And this is a worldwide community that is hearing this this broadcast. And I, you know, if you need any speakers overseas, let us know. I just saw on Karen's website that she is willing to travel, and I know that <laughs> Ashley is also. Me too. And I am too. Well, bring the three of us together. You can't do anything better. So Happy until then, deal. guys, <laughs> yeah, three for one. So visit thewomanbehindthesmile.com today for the seven steps to stand up in your power. It's a free download, and the girls each have free things on their websites. Please go there. But I want you to remember, we're going to love today, we're going to live today, and we're going to lead today and always. I want, ladies, thank you so much for being my guest. I look forward to doing things with you, you again. And yeah, Thank you. Give your, give your kids hugs for us from South Florida. And audience, come back next week. Actually, it's Thanksgiving next week, but we will have a show next week. Happy Thanksgiving. I'm so grateful for everybody. Be grateful for someone in your life. Have a wonderful week. And ladies, I shall be talking to you again soon. Take care, everybody. Thank you for listening to Defining Moments. Be sure to join Debbie Montgomery Johnson for another edition next Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Women's Channel. Find your power this week.